You're listening to Conversion Nations, the podcast that helps conversion optimizers overcome challenges they face with their experimentation programs. Brought to you by Effective Experiments, the workflow and project management software helping optimizers make experimentation a core part of their business. Scale up your testing program with a centralized solution and document all your research, ideas, experiments, and results in one place. Learn more and request your free trial by visiting EffectiveExperiments.com. And now, your host, Manuel DaCosta. Hello and welcome to Conversion Nations. Uh, this is your host, Manuel DaCosta, welcoming you yet again to another episode of CRO Knowledge. Joining me today is Tim Stewart. Hey, Tim, welcome back. Hi there, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. In the middle of a heat wave over here. Uh, if you're listening at some point in, in the winter, it's actually really hot right now. We're in the middle of peak summer over here. I don't know what it's like over there for you. Yes, yeah, it's the three the three days we get of summer. It's uh, it's, it's 34 here at the moment. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's something similar around here as well. And it, it, it's hard to work, but we're doing this podcast. So, yeah, thanks for the uh, the effort you're putting in it in joining me over here with, with your windows closed to the back over there as well. Yeah, the, the aircon is off only for this. So we, we need to talk quick. <laughs> because I'm, I'm gonna cook wow. I've got a hot dog sat on my feet at the moment. So I've got I've just got a puppy. And uh, this is usually the coolest room in the house because with the servers going, I've got to have the aircon on. So she's just adopted my office. And at the moment, oh, nice. my feet are currently being warmed by a hot puppy. <laughs> so let, let me go back to that point. Let me go back to that point where you said, let's talk quickly, which is... <laughs> I talk quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talk quickly and wrap it up quickly is what you said. Yeah, let's let's do this, man. Uh, yeah, so you said in case you, you yell all of a sudden, that that's because there's a dog sat on you. <laughs> If she wakes up and bites my toes, you'll hear it. If she wakes, if she wakes up and bites the cables, which she's tried to do because she's a puppy, um, I may go off the line completely. Oh, fair enough. We'll we'll we'll, we'll try and manage that in post production. This is this is why we let the, ca- the cameras change position. Is because basically my, my everything is just stacked up behind me because I've tried to had to dog proof my office because by piling everything out of her reach. But it's like a <laughs> toddler again. It's uh, yeah, fun times. So we're here today talking about project management in the in the conversion optimization space and you know you and i have had lots of discussions about project management in the past because i think you you've had experience you you, you're quite an organized person as well from what i know and um we have we've had lots of discussions about project management Uh, but the reason why i wanted to do this call uh this topic uh today is because what i've seen is conversion optimizers don't really make the best project managers do you agree it's a very different set of skills i mean you say we've been talking about this for years i think the uh first conversion world when we're talking to me and you sort of talk to me to, to have me as a speaker as one of the first speaking gigs i did was uh i did something about kind of how to make successful programs it was and the difference was i think i presented it as kind of like everyone wants to think we're like the avengers this was the slide i used i've used it again it's like picture of the avengers with the cro heroes we're making a difference and then the next slide is coulson going actually it's much more sort of boring and stayed and the most successful people have got some good tools good equipment but they are the um the tick boxes that get people get stuff done people is the ones who make the difference not the ones who come in and make a lot of noise and yeah. it's it's been 
true of my career, not just in CRO. It, it, knowing stuff, having ideas, coming up with ideas is half the job. Uh, getting it done is where the money's made. And yep. that's where I think uh, a lot of times I get called in to fix conversion programs, conversion optimization programs. And very rarely do I see anybody who's poor at it. They're, they're, they're not intending to do a bad job. It's not a malicious thought to kind of sabotage their growth or their opportunity. But that's what they end up doing. Because whilst you have got the ideas and you've got the creativity and you've got the uh, the problems identified the gap between knowing what's wrong and fixing what's wrong is where everybody falls down you need to get that traction yeah. and people can do it and they can get a test and they can spot a problem they can fix a problem fairly easily that's most people will be able to do that we are problem solvers by nature i think but the ability to repeatedly do that the ability to reliably know that an x amount of effort will result in x amount of potential from outcomes is it's a different um skill set so yep. you know do cro's make a good project managers they can do because that attention to detail that desire for optimization that's questioning of why did that happen can i make it better that's very much needed in project management and program management. And sometimes so the project managers I've worked with seem to be just, no offense to some of them, but you know, admin, like they, they're literally writing down the work that other people do. And that's, yeah. they're not proactive in going, well, how can I make that better or work better? Yeah, so, definitely. And, and the thing with, with uh, project management as well, um, you know, I, when thinking about doing this, uh, this podcast episode, I thought oh, this is going to be such an, unsexy episode, right? Because all the CROs want to know, you know, how to test better, how to um, come up with better ideas, how to analyze better and all, all the data stuff, you know, things that are, that make them look great. But what I've seen, uh, so over the last four years as well, running effective experiments, it, it's how much of a need project management actually is and how much of that gap, that skill set, um, gap there is in that skill set of a CRO who's, you know, head down, getting tests out, uh, coming up with ideas, coming with research versus managing this entire program, which is a job in itself. But yeah. too often, I mean, if you look at companies, the optimizer is expected to do the job of that project manager as well. And I think you mentioned something um, before this call where you, where you've seen project managers, they, they're more dev focused rather than, um, conversion optimization focus. So maybe we can we can talk a little bit about that. So in companies where there are project managers, what are you what are your thoughts over there? Yeah. And that that's precisely it, is that we're talking about project management disciplines and the application of, you know, how to work through a process, how to measure a framework so that you can repeatedly do the stuff that you need to get done. Whatever those jobs are on the list for you to do CRO or optimization of any kind. Um, you need to work through them in order. You need to work through them with the right person attributed to the right job at the right time. Well, that's project management. Um, and bigger companies will have a project manager because they will have a dev team, they will have an engineering team, and they will have somebody in charge or 
if the team run it themselves, there's an agile, there'll be a scrum master. Somebody will be saying, right, here's what we're doing in what order and here's doing the jobs. And they will keep track of that and they will report back to the business about how well they are expending their efforts, their cost, their people, and to achieve the things that are on that list, that working through that backlog, um, which is kind of ironic that we kind of, all of them are, are termed as backlog. We expect to be behind. That gives you an idea of the terminology. Yeah, I'm going to work through my backlog why aren't we working through our forward log like if, you, <laughs> if your very principle is we're, how fast can we catch up what we've got to catch up on but that's nature of the beast um that's kind of down to budget and company structure to a degree the the it team generally tend to we work in websites tend to be, be uh that's why we're so well funded but they're a the bigger part of it and therefore they get to a size they get to a scale where if they didn't have some organization shall we say rather than a project manager they wouldn't get stuff done There'd be lots of people yeah. working independently, pulling in different directions, repeating code, repeating mistakes, failing to, to QA, not having a decent peer review in terms of getting stuff out. Um, and it would quickly fall apart. And you see companies who struggle with that literally falling apart. The problem we've got is that the, the nature of doing what we're doing on the optimization side and CRO side of things, experimenting culture, is that we don't necessarily fit with their timelines. And whereas they have to, engineering is a good word, they have to engineer the correct final product and they have to soak test it and they have to make sure that it will handle kind of all the security vulnerabilities, et cetera, et cetera, that, that is needed in a final release product. We're trying to do stuff that is proving whether it's worth investing the time in a final release product. So doing it to final version takes time, costs money. What we're trying to do is, is quantify the costs and quantify the risks and see the opportunities of actually committing the dev resource to build that final version. So we can't engineer to final production quality for a test because we'd never, ever get any tests and it would no longer be a test. It would be you know, a release test if we do it at best, which would severely slow down the ability to experiment, try, experiment, try, experiment, try. So we end up with a kind of... Uh, different cadence, different sort of wave pattern. And they may work in sprints, they may work in kind of waterfall or project iteration. However, they're set up as a project team. The CRO normally doesn't get much say in that. If it's not a fully integrated company, they use their project management software, but the CRO corner is the little kind of redheaded stepchild in the corner. Oh yeah, can I put my test in? No, no, big boy stuff has to happen first. And then if we've got some spare capacity, we might give you a dev for half an afternoon. So whilst that fits the overall plan, you get the spare capacity, it's almost impossible for the CRO to plan properly because that spare capacity invariably gets eaten up or moved. And what was half an hour of dev time next Thursday is now something else is hanging. We're going to do it Tuesday, but you can't have it next Thursday. Well, my stuff's not ready. The designs won't be ready till Wednesday. And it very quickly messes up the overall flow because we're working at different paces for different objectives. So you get the problem where they do have project management and they've got project management software, but it's not set up to project manage the conversion optimization program. It's set up to manage everything. And that's where I think we see that disjoint. There's either no process at all. We just do everything we think we should because we're external to the company and we just work at our own pace, or we're completely behoven to dev resource and the process and structure that is built to do a different job. I'm not saying it's yeah. superior or, or, or inferior, but they aren't intended to do the same thing. And therefore, as you started out by saying, we end up with CROs who end up having to 
participate in the group project management, but then run their own project management, their own program management separate to that. Which, yeah. given what you do, given, given what we've talked about, they end up doing that to various degrees of success. And part of that is because it's not easy. And part of that is because it's a different set of skills. It's not necessarily creative and uh, trial and error and, and work. It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's boring. I really like it. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's, down to, it's not glamorous. Look yeah, at so that's the idea. I made notes this time. Look at how much better my, my Git management is this time. It's not as good as I changed this thing and made 300% uplift. It just doesn't have yeah. the same headline grabber. But if you do that test that indicates there could be 300% uplift, if it doesn't get out the door, there's no money. Well, yeah. at that point where you've finished your test and gone, make this change, it then goes into the dev team and the project management and it goes into a process that is designed to take an idea, get a scope, work through what's required, build it, test it, change it, test it again, and then push it live. Yeah. So we are actually aiming to kind of feed into the machine that says, get this done. But most of the people, when they're doing that, when they're actually doing the testing, don't have a similar setup. They don't have a similar um, structure. And yep. they will have a, a a process because you can't work without one. But it doesn't necessarily fit with rapid iteration and ideas and creative. There's an awful lot of bright ideas that then just go into the bright ideas pot. And the getting yep. it done part for the test is much more dragged out and boring and procedural. And, oh, God, now I've got to do the third QA. Why? Because we're doing this browser check. And it's much more tempting to go, didn't break most things, put it live. Yeah. With with project management as well, I think the, the gaps that in that skill set manifest itself in, in other ways, right? As as you said, you know, there will always be a process that they'll follow, at least to some extent, mm -hmm. whether that's ad hoc or whether they follow it to the to the T. I mean, we've talked to people where they they know the process or they're still procrastinating on the process and then they cut corners either in prioritizing ideas, so they'll just start randomly testing things or they will um, run tests, skip QA, for example, and then end up with a heap of trouble further down the line. And this is where that project management aspect comes into play, right? Uh, where, why that's needed, why a specific set of project management skills are needed by, the, by a CRO, by someone else that manages it completely different from the way you'd manage a dev team and the dev resources and so on and so forth. That's one concept. So you, I think the functional aspect of managing the, the flow of tests, the, the process, so on and so forth. And then you, uh, I think there is a bigger level out there, which, I, which uh, you know, some companies have defined as program management. And that's about uh, trying to manage the entire experimentation program in one place uh, rather than trying to be uh, you know, scattered in different systems and so on and so forth. Um, what is your take on program management? Because then I'd like to uh, like to share something that we've been putting together in the, uh, behind the scenes based on our own learnings um, and why program management might not be enough, but I'll talk about that later. So yeah, what are your thoughts on program management? Okay, I think I, think I kind of know where you're going next. So uh, sort of wave your hand if you think I'm stepping over into, into what we're talking about next, but the... Um, the program management, I think, is what makes the difference between kind of project management is getting specific tasks done. Here is an outcome. 
here is here is uh, a set of, set of tasks which will be done and whether that's task one two three test task one two three test program management is putting those together because it's very rare in this world you'll have everything working start to finish the way you planned it and one thing happening at once and you can't multitask you can do one thing and then jump to another but that's very much how things work so you may find that you're in the planning phase for test three whilst you're keeping an eye on the QA for test one whilst test two which was faster to test one because you had less problems with QA is live and you're in the monitoring phase so one person the CRO person typically will be at three stages of three different tests and their head needs to be in different points and then they have to kind of go well where does this impact what we're doing on tests four five six seven eight nine ten on the on the, on the management team you know if does test 11 even go ahead if test two proves to be um not a clear answer so program management comes into two parts of it one is just the general juggling plate spinning you've got so many things up at once having that overview of kind of how each of the things you're working on today which may be one task from three separate tests at different stages of each of those tests in terms of where they're at is actually going to impact the end of year in terms of number of tests live number of things you've changed number of areas of sites that you've investigated number of overall wider strategy pieces that you've managed to develop further as ideas um, so if you've kind of got oh we think we're going to do some testing around posting and, and kind of what are delivery charges, how that's presented, what they are, which products we offer them on. That could be a set of three, four, five, six tests that over the year fit into the, the project, uh, the projects that you run within your program. And program's kind of the umbrella for everything working together. And that's, I think, where the gear change happens between we're handling what's thrown at us one at a time, like, yeah. Uh, sequential stuff hitting us and then we'll just react you want to try and get ahead of that to start thinking well actually if i don't start planning test three now whilst i'm got a, you know i've found something qa that's gone back to dev to fix i've monitored today test not broken so test two still running you don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs going we'll see what happens you get on with planning test three four five and it may be that yeah. test five is six months away but that's a more complicated test and therefore you need to start the planning now because that's got two months worth of dev time involved in it it's a much more complex technically difficult one so you may find that planning for test five starts before planning for test four it all comes down to how you want to do that 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 general kind of moving of the chess pieces on the on the chessboard working out which order they need to happen in why they need to happen in that order the dependencies of each test on each other dependencies of the people's availability on each other that's when you start to move from here is a project, a fixed scope outcome, to a program, which is a collection of fixed scoped outcomes that work together and use the same resource, same abilities, same, you know, if we're talking resource testing terms, same amount of audience. You've got to plan your program to make the most of the amount of people you can test against. If your audience is fixed and you've maybe got 100,000 a month to test against and you've got two tests which need 50,000 people each to reach their um, uh, quality levels uh, for what you've defined for that test, you can't run any more tests that month. No, but yeah. that's spending your capital, spending your audience, spending the time and the people that you've got to deliver on that and working out which is the best mix because it may be the ideal outcome is not within your budget. You either don't have the audience or you don't have the people to build it. 
Yeah. So rather than going, well, we can't do the ideal outcome, we don't do nothing, you do, well, let's do the next one down. And that's where program management is a skill because you're balancing the best net benefit from all of these projects that you've got within the umbrella. And this is where I think, and I'll lead back to you on this one, I think ops comes into it, is that that all then has another layer on top, which is if you're not, if you're a CRO and you're qualified as a project manager, and if you're a project manager, you're not necessarily au fait with being kind of a wider program manager, this all then requires people and tools and finance and that's operational stuff. Okay, if yeah. I'm doing this now and I identify that my program to keep accelerating needs two more people like this next week, I can't do it. So I need to have known six months ago that I'm hiring and training them so I've got two more people who are ripe and ready to take over next week because that's when it will hit. But if yeah. you're not looking far enough ahead and planning based on data, looking far enough backwards to go, this many tests per month of X complexity when our site has grown by this much means it will need two extra bodies. And we yeah. need six months lead time to get those two bodies in and up to speed. Therefore, although we're only doing three tests a week at the moment, if the plan is to be hitting 12 by end of year, we need to have three or more bodies. Yeah. And that's... So that's the next stage of complexity on top is making yeah, sure the uh, machine can still be fed next year. Correct. And so this is what I wanted to, to talk about as well in terms of we've been putting together um, uh, a model on the maturity, you could call it the maturity model uh, of um, for, uh, project management, you know, how people manage their, their experimentation programs and the, the varying levels of maturity as they scale up as well. And so the first level... Uh, I'll, I'll put the, uh, the link in the show notes uh, to, to this model as well. But the first level is a starter level. So these are like new CRO teams, they're, you know, fighting fires, trying to get tests out the door. They don't really care about managing projects uh, or, uh, you know, keeping track of things or uh, reporting back. You know, they're doing it on the base level or not at all or, you know, ad hoc, whatever. I would whatever say so they don't care. It's the, at this oh, point, sorry, at, yeah. at that, that scale, they can, they can do it without... You know, you aren't a, if you're not, if it's only the two of you working together, you can, yeah. can with a good team, just bat ideas backwards and forwards, make your own notes locally. You all know yeah. what's happened. You can remember it. And so you can get away with it is one way to look at it. Or you don't have yet to realize that if you want to have a team of five, you can't work like that anymore. Correct. So, yeah, not, not caring is not the, the, the right way of framing it. It's, you know, it, it's not the time for them to worry about something like that, right? So the starters are basically, you know, they, they're doing all the, the main aspects of their job. They're highly skilled in their testing. They're getting stuff out the door. But project management is not something that is a high, prior, high priority just yet. The second level is more functional and practical. And in the functional and practical aspects, they're doing that. They're keeping track of things. They are... Uh, monitoring stuff, they are documenting stuff, they're keeping information, whether in one system or multiple systems, they are doing it. And that's about it. So they are able to go look back at stuff and see what they've done, where they've done it, and they are putting in the effort in keeping track of it. So it's a practical project management if you, if you look at it that way. Mm -hmm. They're still bound by other teams. They're still bound by Dev team. So, for example, we talked to a few people that you know and that have to use Jira because that's the dev team's way of working, and they cannot es escape that. They have to use it, even though you know, as you said earlier, 
the way we need to ma uh, project manage conversion optimization is different from how a developer needs to manage the development process. There'll be overlaps, and that's why people, you know, think that okay, Jira might work, so they try and uh, make it work in whatever way possible, and you know, keep it as practical as possible. That's great. So that's functional and practical. The first two uh, uh, starters and functional practical. The third level is the visible, right? And this is where I want to start talking about why are we, you know, managing projects? Why are we documenting in the first place, right? Uh, we, you mentioned about the, the fact that people, uh, you know, in the starters, which I said, uh, they, they're not keeping track of stuff. They, they do it every now and then whenever the, uh, their bandwidth permits. But why keep track of it in the first place? Like, what are we trying to do? You mentioned an interesting point earlier where you said CRO is like the redheaded stepchild that's sit, sitting in the corner, right? Yeah, as somebody with a redheaded brother, that's always, I love that phrase. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's no offense it, to redheads anywhere, right? No, no, <laughs> the last acceptable racism, isn't it? Um, the the um, it, it's it's afterthought. It's, whether it's malicious or not, it's just because kind of you know keeping the servers on, having a site at all, has got to come higher on the priorities. You know, yeah, it, definitely. It, you know, I'm I'm not sort of denigrating kind of the the, the wider dev uh, resource, but the. Uh, because making it better, adding complication, thinking about UX, thinking about customer centricity in terms of how can we change this product to work for us, not for what's easier for us to code, that tends to derail the nicest dev plan because their dev plan would be absolutely much easier if the customers all had regular names, there was no <laughs> hyphens, their validation would be much simpler. If everybody was from the same country with the same currency, if everybody just wanted to buy one product in one box for one delivery yeah. cost, that would make the dev's life a hell of a lot easier. And there tends to be that kind of reduction to the simplest possible because you've got a very complex machine to keep running, so you don't want to add these complications. And then the nasty reality of customer service and users actually having names that have got words that get picked up by the swear filters you know some you know i think of uh, andrew optimizey who is his uh, an seo guy who runs an seo conference locally his twitter handle is that because you know his surname tends to throw off profanity filters it's just unfortunate <laughs> lovely old school british double-barreled name that just happens to contain a swear word in it and that that kind of real world scenario happens all the time and when you've got the dev teams centrally having to cope with all of these and then we're kind of like the bad guys coming in saying can i add an extra level on top of that which is what if you can do this on a tuesday we're 10 percent better than if we do something different the rest of the week and they're like right so i need two versions of the site so it's not so much that we're kind of in the corner because we should be it's because on top of everything else in the under-resourced overworked oversubscribed massive backlog dev queue we're then adding further complications by going, can we do it harder? Can we do it better? And yeah. that tends to mean that we get put in as a, well, we'll fit you in when we can. And as I sort yeah. of said at the start, we'll fit you in when we can, means that unless you have your own dev resource, you're gonna struggle to get and QA resource, you're gonna struggle to get anywhere sitting in the main roadmap because you're behoven to the massive kind of slow to turn tanker that is how the business works. Yeah. So it tends to be that we, we end up having to use the tools that they've got, but yes. and we have to communicate with those people with their tools, but then they're not suited to us. 
So what yeah. if we end up hiving off our own version separate to the main thread, which adds an admin layer and a chance for you know, information to be missed. Yeah, talking about going back to that model as well. So you said, you know, the, that redheaded stepchild analogy. And I remember Jeffrey Eisenberg as well saying during one of the conversion world talks as well that, you know, CRO, and I think it's the same even now. We're like four years later, four or five years later, and it's still the same. Conversion optimizers don't have a seat on the table mm. when big business decisions are made, right? No. Uh, and, and there's this big talk, I mean, it's been going on for like a year now about culture of experimentation and and this uh, getting everyone involved and enthusiastic. And every time when I, you know, I talk to people, they're like, we need to make everyone enthusiastic about experimentation. So a third level in that, in that model that we have is visible. And it's basically, you know, you've, you're tracking things, you're sharing things, you're sharing reports, you're sharing whatever dashboards, uh, you know, whatever you're doing and, and so on and so forth. And you're getting people uh, aware, you're making people aware of what's going on. Uh, whether they're enthusiastic or not, uh, I don't know. But it's like uh, I, g I gave an example once about if you were to make, you know, uh, if I had a big TV in, in the room and someone put up the stock market uh, graphs and charts or whatever on there, you're making it visible to me. Whether I understand it is a whole different matter because I don't. So I'm not going to care much about it. And that's one central fact that people don't uh, seem to understand where actually just sharing things out, just sending out reports and making stuff visible doesn't mean you're growing that culture. So you come to that fourth level and that fourth level is transformational. And transformational is ba basically where you've hit that apex, that culture of experimentation where you're not just sharing things, but the people you're sharing, sharing it with understand the context of what you're sharing. They understand the value of it and they're also contributing. So it's a cycle. So where if we look at the, the lower end, where it's this functional, practical project management, you know, you're doing it in, in your little silo. You're okay. We're keeping track. We're storing our information. This is what we've done, or this is what we're doing. Or the second, uh, the, you know, third level where you're sharing things without really making an impact. But the last level is where I feel conversion optimization needs to be. Uh, and this is why I feel project management on its own or program management is not enough. And we've coined this term uh, called experimentation ops. And you, you called it ops uh, earlier, but really experimentation ops, TM, <laughs> uh, is something that uh, we've coined to, to really describe this all-encompassing aspect of what managing an experimentation program really is because you're not managing a project just for the uh, for the sake of keeping track of it you're keeping track of it because you want to use that information or the company wants to use that information so if like let's say i've got 100 experiments that i've run great i've documented it now what hmm. what am i going to do with it well what if i could look back in it and see what i've done before how can that influence future ideas or how can that influence uh, another team Sorry, this Windows reminder saying I should remember conversionations. <laughs> we're, we're 15 minutes early, right? Let, let's it was going to be four o'clock, wasn't it? <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's 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 like, hang on, what was I saying last? You <laughs> You're talking about the op, the op side of things, so the 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 level past where we need to go. Yeah. 
So experimentation ops, as we've defined it, is an all-encompassing um, list of activities that really helps you manage an experimentation program better, but with the aim of growing a culture of experimentation in the company. So you're not being, you're not managing a project just for the sake of it to keep track of the ideas and to keep track of the experiments. Because you know, once you've done that, what are you going to do with that information? Mm-hmm. How are you going to disseminate that information in the company? How are you going to get customer service involved? How are you going to get sales utilizing those nuggets of um, customer behavior insights that you've collected? What are you going to do with that? And more importantly, as you said, project management is you know task-based. Things are going out one after the other. And uh, they are going through your program management is you're having a much more holistic view, planning better, executing better. But where experimentation ops comes into play is really improving things like the operational efficiency, right? Where, where are your experiments getting stuck, for example? How can we, if we are to get, let's say, sign-off quicker, if we're able to get experiments through development quicker or through QA quicker, or if we're able to understand that we have a problem in def- when we define experiments, Dev sends it back every, every second time. Yeah, same way as so yeah, so, the, so these common root causes, this is how you get the, the, the program to work better, is you give the program a better environment in which to work. You give it better tools. And the right. ops part comes into kind of what I alluded to earlier on, is that it, some people are saying, how many tests can we get done or how many tests can we get done this year? But the overall strategy is we want to get bigger and better and become more of the company so that we are effectively a center of excellence we we are forecasting a future where we will be not just reacting about how can we make our product more acceptable to users so they'll buy more we're taking that experiment loop and we're going here's what the users are showing us they like let's shape the product to suit the users yeah what you see in the, the top end of the, the the game is that that's very much how it is this is where yeah. user-centric is not a buzzword it's it literally is they're demonstrating what they would buy more, what they like about what you currently do. Yeah. But that has to take into into account many more departments than just devs and CROs. That's Correct. going to involve marketing, product, customer service, finance. So the ops side of things comes into, well, how do you improve the setup for your experimentation operations is you work out where you fit and hopefully improve where you fit with the business operations. And going back to Jeffrey's thing earlier, there's no CRO sat at board level. And we talk about C-level roles. Well, we've got C in the title. We should. But that, <laughs> but that tends to tends to roll then into like a chief marketing operation or a chief, uh, chief marketing officer or a chief yeah. operations officer. So it tends to sit under one of those two piles and it tends to dictate uh, where, where it sits as whether it's under CTO, CRO or CMO at board level. Because... Yeah that mentality tends to dictate whether they are, you're part of the tech stack, you're part of the marketing stack, or you're actually how we run the business on the ops stack. Yeah. And those distinctions are partly down to how the business is structured, but it is the benefits are, as you kind of said, uh, with, with in terms of, you know, what can we stop doing wrong next time? You know, okay, we only got 20 tests out this year and we got 20 tests out last year, but we did it for half the cost. And we had fewer things in QA that bounced and came back out to scope again. Yeah. We had yeah. the average turnaround from idea from the business to idea live to test results was reduced by 50%. Why? Because we've improved our ideation to 
CRO expert, feedback from CRO expert used to take two days, now takes one day. The team now build their own experiments in the way they want them. So this enablement of the operational culture of the whole business to ask questions and experiment about business questions, not just marketing questions or landing page questions, yeah. that doesn't happen by accident. You have to plan for it. And if yeah, you've got definitely. a plan for it, it is kind of a program that I'm talking to your program going, well, what is step one for being able to do the uh, – after hang on a second. What's step one for my computer sending me reminders? <laughs> What's step one for the um, – the end goal of three years time, we're going to be this amazing yeah. thing nobody talks about. And you, you often hear kind of in the business, oh, we're, we're only small. It's a team of two. I, uh, I, yeah, I was just going to come to that. You plan to be a team of two. If you do carry on doing what you're doing. If you're planning to be bigger and better and running the team and having eventually there being no team, you just all being a resource that the whole company can call on then make that as much of your roadmap as your tests, those tests yep. then and those test successes, and then feeding the credit you'll get within the wider business to have an extra person, to have a dedicated dev person rather than half an hour on a Tuesday. Yeah. To do that, you have to justify it. You can't just say, please, why? Because I believe. You have to say, I did X, I got Y. If you give me two X, I can get you two Y. And yep. if you can go give me two X and next year I'll give you three Y, Oh, hang on, that's improved. Yes. How much is that improved by? And you can, if you can quantify that, then you can demonstrate to board level in the words they understand. I put this much in, I get this much out. If I put a little bit more in and we get more out, that's a win for us. We've improved our efficiency, we've reduced our cost, and we're getting more for less. Well, isn't that what conversion optimizers do on web pages? So the, I, That's exactly right, yeah. At the very but start, I, I feel... you, said, you said, like, we, aren't, we haven't got the right skill sets. We haven't. But I think we've got the right mindset because yeah. to be a conversion optimizer, that's what you are. You're always hungry for more. Correct. And I, I just think the campaign should be to try and point our lens inwards a little bit and go, look, we've got these skills. Maybe if we drop one test a month and use the time to get better at being testers and use the better tests to be better at being business members of our wider team and then yeah. use that to make our whole business better, then we shouldn't be answering and probably won't be answering questions about, is this worth doing anymore? Or can you show yeah. me the ROI from testing? Because the ROI from testing is we live and breathe this as a company. How can yeah. you not? I think, I think it's the, the, if I'm honest, I'm still seeing uh, CROs, even the, the experienced ones, they're sat in silos. Like I, I remember like one person that I, I, I talked to quite a bit, I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> but uh, someone that I uh, knew worked with in a small team of two, um, and essentially left the company because there was no culture of experimentation. And so I asked this person, what did you do to enable that? Well, we ran tests, we shared the tests, and I was like, okay, that's the functional aspect of your job. What else have you done? And I feel that conversion optimizers don't give much thought. Well, there are, as you said, the top end where they're transforming that, but really a majority of conversion optimizers, those that have graduated out of those shitty button tests and um, uh, you know the, the headline tests and all that kind of stuff are now in this next cycle of crappiness where, which we need to graduate from if we need to survive this hype cycle. Okay, so I, I would unpack two parts of what you just said there. So when you said conversion optimizers with experience. Okay, so if you're talking about experience as years served, 
So I've done my year one. I've come in. I was a, I was a, a team member of one. Then we got a team member of two. When you hit second year, when you are at your management level or whatever your next direct report is, and you're trying to pitch for more budget, more dev time, if you just go to them, I did X amount of tests and it's worth nominal amounts of money, you may or may not get traction. But it gets harder because you're no longer uh, able to just hit um, low-hanging fruit. You've, you've, <laughs> you've, got, you've got to try and align with the business. You've, you're going to get smaller and smaller incremental returns. So unless you're making yourself more efficient, unless you're handling everything we just discussed for the last half hour, you're going to have, by those standards, worse ROI because you're going to have smaller gains, yeah. which are harder to get. And because they're harder to get, will cost more. Yeah. This all gets into be a negative cycle. So quite often what you'll see is when that gets hard, when sending my reports up and say, hey, we got a win, doesn't get you enough PR to be able to pitch for 10 more people and dedicated dev resource, be that end of year one or end of year two, quite often they end up stalled where they got to. And they either leave or they end up stalled. The ones that leave then go on, having never solved that problem, never understood how to get past this blocker that is, we are stood in the corner, we need to get out of our corner. And they start at a new company and they may get a new pay rise, they may get a nice title, they may be head of yeah. conversion optimization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, but you'll be able to hire somebody. Great. So now I'm hiring manager as well. Yeah. They hit all the low hanging fruit in year one. They yeah. get to the end of year one, repeat two, and they go, ah. Now to get to the next level up here, I've got to do exactly the same problem as I failed to solve in my last company. I'll change job again. So you can get yep. people five, six years experience, but actually what they've done is repeated year one six times. And it's I'm what we call sideways promotion. Yeah, I'm not saying that that means that they're not uh, experienced at testing. They're not experienced at being able to spot good tests and plan. They may have got some efficiencies from how they've learned to do this. But the problem we're talking about solving, escalating this from just being in a corner just doing a one-trick pony and actually looking to move us towards a transformational business. So they've never truly solved that. So I'd say if you started this by saying our problem here is the uh, conversion optimizers aren't project managers, I'd say the problem here is we're talking about being change managers, and that's a very different role. That is, yeah. That is. Adoption and trying to… Uh, evangelize. Evangelize, roll out, get board level buy-in and change the way the business works. Yeah. Trying to do that from the bottom up is a bit tr like trying to steer the Titanic from the engine room. It's like you've got all yeah. the power. You can stop it at any time, but the screams from above are go faster, go faster. You can't help it if it's getting steered wrong. Even if yeah. you've got information to say, perhaps we shouldn't. And that's a different skill set. That's something where uh, that supersedes project management, program management. It's people management. So Alex had a good example on a previous conversionations. Take them out for lunch. Buy the devs yeah. donuts. Don't just be sat in the solo. Don't just send out an email with it. Go chat to them. What are the problems yeah. you're having problems with? If they're not sending you test ideas or the test ideas they're sending you aren't, uh, they're not useful in their current structure, should we say, to test, then go, okay, so I see the problem you're trying to solve. Let me go away and think about how I here's how that could be solved in an experiment. Would this answer your question for you? Oh, great. Okay. That's what it looks like as a test. And great. That sort of personal face-to-face, -face, however you have to do it, but face-to-face -face ideally, inter-team communication is how you start to get yourself uh, further up the tree.
yeah that can be frustrating because you can get that you can get a great relationship with the customer service guys or the marketing guys but they've also got their recycle and churn cycle so just as he's had two years working really well with cmo they go off somewhere sideways promotion or off to another company and you end up having to re-educate the next lot coming in and that's where having a take it back to the start having a record of what you've done having a what works and what doesn't work as a backup to say oh we've tried that here's what we, what we did last time for that having a quantified difference in terms of how much more efficient what it costs you and people say can you do twice as many tests going to them saying we could here's what it will cost yeah and here's the expected outcome which is why i'm not currently pitching for more people because at the moment our efficiency to test win ratio does not allow to cover that cost and they may if they're in management go i'll gamble that it's not your call but they'll go okay but if you did you could run more tests great well we'll accelerate that so if you find yourself in a in a debt situation you can't show the returns are there until you've got the team to make the returns that's actually what upper management do is they will take gambles like that all the time but they will do yeah. it based on information if you haven't got that information written down it's not just a box ticking exercise it's not just a we're writing it down because we're told we should write it down and it just sits in a black box it's never used data yeah. is useless unless you're taking action on it so the data you should collect and the data you should, you should analyze should be to solve problems. Why do we always have a problem in QA? What is the root cause to why we don't scope things properly? What would a good scope look like? Let's go talk to the devs. And as you can write that list down of things to solve to make this better, that's another list to present to go. Tests run, problems solved. Results yeah. of problems being solved equals money. And that's the language that every department speaks, even if they're not into the statistics. Yeah, talking about that as well, talking about number of tests run and revenue gained as well, I also think we might be shooting ourselves in the foot if we just lead with that every time. Because what if tests slow down? What if you can't run many tests? Or what if the tests, you know, cause the revenue to tank? You're well, still learning, right? Well, um, but that's why the, the average test is going to have variants in there which are negative. So running a test yeah. itself has got a cost above and beyond yeah. the build cost. Is that you, for yeah. a period you will depress your conversion rate? Yeah, they need to I think that's that. that's the communication that most CROs aren't doing. So when the results do dip, they're getting you know the the CMOs or the the CEOs have a stick to beat them on the head with. Sorry, right. dog, dog just woke up. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is this one saying it's not it's not an easily solved thing. It's no, not, it not something a, a tool will fix. It's not something which a uh, a single course will handle. Some of this is nope. experience. I mean, look at these grey hairs. These 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 were not. This is not like a special dye job. These have been earned making these mistakes many many times. And <laughs> To a degree, some of that experience is when you get to that year two, it's difficult to continue situation. Rather than swapping to a job that would be easier, hitting that brick wall head on, working a way to optimize past that is yeah. the experience jump you need. And it may make your life miserable for a year or two when you know what needs to happen and you're still not getting anywhere. But the lessons you learn in doing that means that somebody who's done that and it comes to the end of year two, I would value more than somebody who's repeated year one six times. Yeah, that's interesting, being right? A good, being um, a better tester, I can hire them. Yeah. Being somebody who can solve the problems of transformational project management, those are the rare ones. Yeah. I, I almost feel like um, for a CRO to be an optimizer and a change maker is, is, is a tough ask. Not because of the fact that it can't be done. It can be done if they, if they you know, slog their way through it. But really, it's, it's two jobs. 
it's two two very different jobs and two full-time jobs essentially and i i almost feel that they need to have someone working with them not not a conversion optimization manager because you know most of the times i feel like they just uh, and it's just a title rather than the actual <laughs> the Ooh, process of managing that. Annoyed a lot of uh, conversion maybe maybe it's controversial, but that that's what what I've seen, right? But I feel that this a separate role needs to be created that's specifically around change management, evangelization, process improvement, and being able to uh, assist these conversion optimizers to do their job better and focus on what they do best, mm-hmm. uh, rather than worrying about it again as i say it might be controversial but that, that's, that's uh, i think that's, i think that's the ideal i think we you know as, as an industry we're going to get there because that's you've seen this with sort of seo breaking into tech seo and to to the content side of things there's yeah. there are machines out there building this for people like the agencies you can hire who do specifically that and yeah. there are people who are seo managers who are worth the title and they aren't just the person who counts how much budget they spend on agencies but actually is an experienced seo who knows how to call bs on yeah they get sold from either their underlings or from the external agencies they hire to do jobs but it takes time it takes partly takes the business to understand it's not just a bolt-on you know this is an awful lot of the problem is the the headlines have got people going well if we do cro why well we've got a cro person like you don't do cro by hiring by buying a tool and hiring a cro person you know, you're Correct. saying culture's been the big thing, hot year, hot thing for the last year or yeah. so. That was what we were talking about back in 2009 at Maximizer. Like the companies we worked with who bought into it, went for it properly, and continued to grow their team as much as they grew their investment and in spending time with the tool, were the ones that flew like ridiculous. And they made the headlines. Everybody, I want to be like them. Okay. But do you know what? The costs for that, the tool was only a small part. The yeah. people, the re-engineering, the rethinking about how you work, and the business we always hold up and kind of go, oh, these guys do it well. They're all the ones who either from the ground up were built to be an optimization experimentation culture, or they were um, engineered that way by somebody working from within, the champion, and using the data to do so. And that's where the um, the maturity part of the market, I think, comes in, is that We'll learn how to communicate that better, but right now the businesses are still, to a large degree, seeing it as a bolt-on. It's a nice to have. Yep. It's like having a, uh, you know, uh, an email person. We've got somebody to handle email. Great, well done. But it's not. A, it's not a sit there, in your little silo job. An optimization, yep. conversion optimization, shouldn't be. It's a, it's optimize everything, and at the moment because it's been bought like that, that's what an awful lot of CROs are facing. And so the problem. Yep. That solve is to get past everything we just discussed for the last hour or so and it's not easily soluble if it was we'd all be doing it already going oh do you remember when it yeah. was bad five years ago and this, yeah. is, this is something that's been going on since this started as a, as a discipline and i think whilst the market's matured enough to stop going should we do it there's an awful lot of box ticking at the business side going well we are doing it but they're not really not what i would call yeah. conversion optimization yeah. and that's lesson needs to be learned by the business as much as the CROs. And I think the CROs have some responsibility to teach them that. Yeah. But that's hard to, you know, to say no to power, to turn stuff around, to say, okay, we could do it this way, but this way is the better way for the future. Yeah. Takes, you know, data. It takes some cajones and, and yeah. you've got to be, you know, unafraid of, of the, the difficult balance of project management, program management, ops 
management yeah. and people management that's required. And notice that at no point when is that involved wireframe, statistics, no UX analytics, which are considered like the core skills that are required for the typical CRO. And that's yeah. part of the problem is that the stuff you need to get in the door, we've, we've got, and we've got a good depth of that. Yeah. Stuff that you need to open the door to the rest of the building are skills that take time and possibly experience actually doing this, like working as project managers or with project managers. We both know an agency where kind of um, they've been, they knew this, they'd worked it through, they intellectually had gone through this, but it took them getting a project manager for them to suddenly go gear shift and all the stuff we knew we should have been doing. And the project manager, not just the admin person, which is what they tried before, not just the right things down or the person telling them off because the tasks weren't done. It's somebody who took a step back from the testing and started going, how do I glue all these different test programs, or all these different clients together to make sure it works more efficiently? And what, how do I help the people who I can see are getting stuck here by putting something new in place, by hiring somebody, by building a new process, by saying no on contracts to customers who ask more than we are actually allowed to give them and, and putting their foot down so they could work more efficiently. And that agency has gone from doing well to doing really well within a very short, relatively short space of time. Yeah. But they tried the project management and task-based thing three, four, five times in the previous five years. And it was when they finally did it properly that suddenly they got traction and they rocket ship. But yeah. that's hard to see until you've done it because it looks like an impossible cliff to climb that takes a lot of effort. And when? why should I bother? Because it's just the two of us. So yeah. You said at the start, people are surviving. But I would argue start thinking that way when it's just you. Because that's the best time to make mistakes in process when there's nobody else to find out that they were mistakes. Yeah. But when you've got your second guy, we work this way. Why? Because it's more efficient. And then they start going, well, when there's two of us, we work this way. And that's how you build. So I would still say, even if you don't plan to be doing everything we discussed, from the very first day you start, your first day in the new job, year one, version three, go, this time I'm going to make it different, not I hope it will be different. And if you are in control of that, you can change it. And if you can measure it, you can tell you by, by how much. And an awful lot of these steps that we talked about really come down to being methodical, spotting opportunities, measuring where you're at, changing stuff, and then judging against what you measured to see, has it improved? Yes or no. If it has, do more. If it hasn't, look at why. Yeah. Yeah, That's definitely. It is going to be hard work. It's not an easy job. And I think people like listen to this if you want to make a difference, accept that it is going to take work. And as Tim said, no tool, no course is going to actually change that for you. Like we can sit here talking about this for hours and you will listen and nod away to everything we've said. But unless you go away after this and put some action, put something into action, nothing's going to change. And as you said as well, Tim, with people that are starting out small in these teams, you know, the, the, it's easy to say, yes, we're small. We can't do it now. We'll wait for it to be, you know, uh, uh, when we're bigger. And those are big company problems. No, they aren't. They'll be your problems fairly soon if you don't step up and make that change uh, in the company. Yeah, and there'll be bigger um, problems if you don't deal with them first off. If you get, if you kind of get your head around them now, yeah, when you do hit them, they won't be as bad because you've already got a, a process in place. If you wait until it's a crisis point before you suddenly start thinking, you've not only got to solve a crisis, you've also got to do a very busy day job. And yeah. that's when it suddenly becomes impossible. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's that analogy of changing a tire uh, at the side of the road versus changing a tire when you're speeding down the motorway. Yeah. You can't do it then, can you? So it, it's like, don't think of it like, yeah, we'll deal with it tomorrow. It's something that you want to start thinking about ASAP. Um, and what we can do through Conversion Nations, through our resources, we're going to help you with that as well. Uh, so the first thing is I've talked about this framework on, on this call earlier. I'm going to make that available in the show, link it in the show notes. It'll be on our blog as well. Uh, but we're also going to be doing some more stuff. We're going to be launching a small mini academy uh, with a few videos talking about these points called the Experimentation Ops Academy. Um, it'll be live hopefully by the time this podcast is out. Uh, it should be around late August by the, by the time this podcast is out. I'll so we're going to have... Right, okay. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> September then. <laughs> but we have something out uh, for you that you can reference, that you can uh, put into practice and start making that difference. Again, the course is not going to change, uh, change anything unless you take that action. And if you are looking for a platform that can help you with that, uh, Effective Experiments is a centralized experimentation ops platform that will help you not only track and keep, um, document everything that you're doing, but also share stuff and make it visible and get people involved. So more about that later, but you can check out uh, our website on effectiveexperiments.com. Uh, I hope the principles that we've talked about on this podcast have been useful uh, and that you can take that away, put that into action. Uh, as I said, uh, I don't say this lightly, but it's, it's our, our industry at stake over here because if we go through a you know, continuous um, process of people working one year, two years, leaving at the company and the next year are doing the same thing, companies will start to lose faith in conversion optimization. It'll start getting a bad rep the same way SEO went through a phase where everything was page one Google and people are you know, seen as charlatans. I don't want that for the industry and I hope you don't want that either. So let's make that difference. Let's put in the effort. When you start your job, you need to be that change. And yeah, I'll leave with that point. Uh, Tim, any closing points you want to add into that? No, I, th I think, like I said, it's kind of, it is key. And I think if we all kind of have a, a mutual responsibility, it, it, we can avoid the problems we've seen happen with other industries. And yes, otherwise people will be um, <clears throat> looking down on conversion optimization as though we tried that and it didn't work. And that's frankly yeah. not true. If you've done it properly, it does work but that yeah. means you can't have done it properly. And there's too much of that going on because of the reasons we spent the last hour discussing. Yeah, I think I think everyone listening on this call, hopefully, you know, they have the skills, they know how to run tests, they know how to analyze, they, they can do UX and all, all that kind of, all the all the skills they need to run the job. It's a, it's a mindset shift now that will either make you that change maker in the company or allow you to bring in someone that's going to help you and facilitate that change in that company as well. But yeah going to leave with that um thank you for listening you've been listening to uh, conversion nations <laughs> it's going the wrong way with that you've been listening to conversion nations uh, this is your host manuel de costa uh, previous episodes of our podcast are available on itunes and or oh, apple podcasts as it's called now and on spotify if you like the videos if you like seeing us uh, you can go to effectiveexperiments.com and find us on there uh, thanks for listening see you soon take care bye You've been listening to Conversion Nations. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when we release new updates. Conversion Nations is brought to you by Effective Experiments. Want to make experimentation a core part of your business? Request your demo and let us show you how we can help you grow your testing program.